I have a question, and actually, I, I probably shouldn't bring this up because it's not related to anything except for Logan Couture. But I think anybody who's looked at his Twitter feed, he calls Jason Demers daddy. And I really, really, really want to know why. <laughs> because it's weird. It's super I, I feel weird. Like, I feel like someone did, I think we did look it up, and I think there was an article about it. And like, I very recently saw another article where it mentioned the fact that Jason Demers is called daddy. Why, though? I hate it so much. Uh, but I also think it's really funny because Logan Couture especially, but a few other guys do it as well. Um, it's okay. funny, but it feels, like, vaguely creepy. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, yeah. it's like super, it's, like, creepy adjacent. It's, like, it's not great. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel safe. I don't know. Like, I don't know what yeah. to say about it. It makes me glad that um, I'm not a San Jose Sharks fan. <laughs> Because uh, my team doesn't do things like that. That's weird. How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Speed for it, cheer for uh, Kind of like it. Richard throws it in front. Carter, score! some swagger. Push come to shove. We're going to get it done. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Hey everybody, welcome to the Thanks Bud Podcast. I am Chanel Berlin. And I'm Diane Fan. And we're back for episode six. Um, I have to start with an apology right at the top of this podcast because we actually tried to record this last night and it's it's good that we didn't because in that conversation that we had last night, we did touch on Jeff Carter being a little off his game the last couple games, including missing a backhand shot that he super should not have missed despite uh, a hooking call. And I was like, maybe Jeff Carter has died. RIP Jeff Carter. And then it turns out Jeff Carter on IR today. So my apologies. I didn't actually mean to curse you. It obviously came as a surprise as a surprise to all of us, including apparently Daryl Sutter, yeah, um, who was, had some super salty comments about the fact that he didn't know and was very upset at how um, the news was, was released. Yeah, I, I think I liked the way he phrased it because I guess whoever asked the question asked, um, you know, about having lost Carter and Sutter was like, oh, I didn't know he lost him in this way that clearly meant like Jeff Carter was just missing. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> When it comes to injury, he was like, oh, there are a couple guys who I guess have some some little injuries or whatever, but uh, Jeff Carter was seen wearing a boot. Um, he's apparently possibly having some foot problems again, him and his dainty feet. So he's out for at least at least seven days is IR. So we'll see what happens on that one. Mostly upsetting is because he's garnered two hat tricks against the Preds and uh, the Kings play the Preds on Saturday and it's... I wanted him to try for another. I know. We were a hat trick of hat tricks. A hat trick yes. of hat tricks, if you will, against the Preds. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do think they do play again. Uh, so when that comes around, he'll just have to be ready. It'll just happen on the road or something. So, and then the other news uh, with Jeff Carter out. And also, Keaton Ellerbe on waivers, I'm pretty excited. Not that I dislike Keaton Ellerbe as a person, but of the defensemen who had to be moved, I am I was so excited to see that it was Ellerbe and not Martinez. Uh, yeah, agreed. Um, although, as many people have mentioned, I, I okay, we have problems with Ellerbe just because everything that we've ever seen um, has been vaguely frustrating for us, but he's a good defenseman. All right, let's give him let's give him that. And yeah. so John Rosen mentioned that it is very very unlikely that um, Keaton Ellerby will clear waivers. Um, he'll most likely be snatched up by someone 
who um, has a defensive hole to fill. And a, a lot, I don't know, is it just me? Like, a lot of teams are currently very patchy in terms yeah. of um, everyone's rosters, in terms of just, like, uh, either parts that are missing or just injuries that are happening. It's it's kind of crazy. So he's definitely going to be snatched up by someone. Yeah, a lot of teams need some extra help on defense. And yeah, I don't think he's a terrible defenseman. He is still a pretty young defenseman. I just think for what the Kings are trying to do, like they just don't need him. And so I never understood why he was still kind of hanging around. Um, and I would rather have Martinez, who has a lot more offensive game, have him stick around than LRB. So I wish him well wherever he ends up. Next game we go to, I'm just going to start chanting free Alec Martinez because he's free. <laughs> yeah. A few people, um, I assume they were jokes because it was only from people who seemed like they were joking. We're talking about um, how today Martinez was, in fact, skating with the forwards. Who knows what's even <laughs> happening anymore? I mean, yeah. the second that Brent Burns started doing playing like either defense or um, as a forward, everyone's like, oh, let's just do that. So here we go. It's a trend now. Every defense defenseman coming up being forwards, cool. Let's let's give it a shot. So who the people who have gotten called up now because of LRBP and put on waivers and Carter out for however long to Foley making his way back to Los Angeles and Lyndon Vay coming. Uh, kind of not surprising given the circumstances now, but surprising in that I think every Kings fan was expecting a left wing to come up. We were ready for Tanner Pearson, but up a little bit of a shakeup. I was definitely surprised too. Um, regardless of, I guess whatever holes that needed to be filled, I definitely thought it was just going to be Toffoli and Pearson. They've played yeah. the best, the strongest. They've have they have the most uh, experience, and so I thought it was um, them that was going to be called up. But it's not like Lyndon Vay is a bad choice. It's not like he's not going to be useful in uh, for the team. Just uh, kind of surprising. But then everything in Kings news today has been surprising. So. I think what makes Lyndon Vay coming a little surprising is the fact that, you know, people have harped so much on how the Kings need more help left wing, uh, especially on that second line. But I guess because of the fact that Mike Richards has been playing on the left wing and Carter was, you know, back at center, Lyndon Vay is a center and he was on that top line in Manchester with Toffoli and Pearson, that it seemed a little more logical to bring Vay up now. But if I'm Tanner Pearson, I'm super bummed because he had to have been thinking his time was coming. Yeah, and all, all of his uh, friends have left him, and he's just yeah. kind of like hanging out with the Monarchs, and they're going to the big club. So poor, poor Tanner Pearson. Yes, especially when he had like such a good training camp. And then uh, in the in Manchester's game today, he scored like the first goal 25 seconds in. He scored a second goal that was then changed over to Andy Andriov's goal. Uh, so there were a nice, a nice smattering of jokes on Twitter about how he clearly um, is going out with a vengeance tonight and watch out because, you know, Tanner Pearson thought it was his time, but it is still not his time. Damn you, Jeff Carter is probably what Tanner Pearson is thinking <laughs> <laughs> while the rest of uh, LA's fans are weeping. <laughs> so. Oh, so much sobbing. So much internet sobbing was happening. Um, and a lot of just uh, like ex- like interrobangs all over Twitter. Like, what's happening? What's going oh. on? Yeah, when uh, the mayor, John Hoven, um, from Mayor's Manor, he was the first one, I think, to tweet about the fact that it was not just the LRB move that was happening. There was also going to be a top six forward put on IR. Um, and he was like, you won't be happy. I was like, what is happening right now? I'm, I'm already not happy. I don't need to see that. Even though I feel like, 
you know, the Kings have been pretty lucky with not having any major injuries that you knew it had to be coming. So I couldn't be totally surprised, but it was not what I wanted to see either. I was just annoyed uh, (laughs) about the fact that it was like a tease. I was like, just tell me. Just tell me. (laughs) That's what Twitter is for. This is for instantaneous news. So tell me now. Stop telling me, like, it'll come. I was just like, no, shaking my computer. In a few minutes, yeah. In a few minutes, you will have information on who has been injured. I felt the same way. Especially, like, just let me know who I have to cry about. So I can get that out of the way. I had things to do today. Oh, any one of the top six, I would have been like, damn it. So just let me start now. But I guess speaking of all those players, we should talk about the fact that, um, actually, just, you know, a quick note to add some some a little more to this conversation both diane and i are upstate right now i was actually in san jose today um and she is in san francisco and so it seems appropriate that we are in or near the place where uh the sharks reside and the kings beat them recently i feel really good about it i feel great coming into the city and being able to gloat a little bit to myself i definitely um brought a king shirt to wear um, as I walk yes. around the city, so that's going to feel real good. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, that game That game was way more exciting than I thought it was going to be. And a few people, I think, said, like, it's pretty close, the closest that you might get to playoff hockey at this time of year, you know, still, or the, at the end of the first month of the season. I went in expecting the Kings to get slaughtered. I mean, I know I'm, like, a notorious pessimist when it comes to them, especially right now, <laughs> but definitely because the Sharks were 10-1-1 going into the night, and... It just seemed like, oh, the Kings are about to get lit up, but uh, it you ended are, up being a lot more eventful than I thought. You are preaching to the choir because both of us were just kind of bracing ourselves, being like, this is going to be terrible. This is going to be, it's going to be awful is what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> I personally thought that maybe the Kings would have a little more jump, a little bit of a fire just because of that brutal loss against Coyotes the night before. Um, I didn't necessarily think that it would lead to a win. I just thought it wouldn't lead to, you know soul-crushing defeat, but ever so pleasantly surprised, even though, what, 13 seconds in? Yeah. uh, There was a goal, and that was depressing. (laughs) And and that was, was once again, we turned to each other, and we're just like, yeah, maybe this is not going to be a great game. (laughs) Yeah. No, literally, as we were walking uh, to where our seats were, Diane asked me, uh, you know, how do you think this game is going to go? And I was like, oh, they're going to get murdered. And then you hear people sort of cheer. And at first, I wasn't sure if it was like, did somebody do, like, hit, was there a hit that was really exciting for people or what? And then I get in, and I'm like, no. The Sharks definitely just scored a goal 13 seconds into this game. So that's how this night is going to go. Except for then we were kind of wrong because a couple minutes later, um, Dowdy scores a goal and the Kings are right back in it. And surprisingly, that's kind of how the game went for the rest of the night. They didn't have a lead until they won in overtime, but they managed to come back two more times. So, wow. The the overtime lead is all that matters, so that's fine if they were trailing. Um, I'm I'm glad I'm good for the win at the end. It was a weird game though, especially because all of the quotes like from the players after they talked about how, especially coming off that Phoenix game, they thought that it was a lot stronger and they played pretty much a 60 minute game. But there were definitely moments when we were watching where we were like, "What the hell are these choices that some of these people are making?" For for me, it was a lot of the miscommunication that was happening on the ice. Like, there were a lot, uh, I mean, after watching some of the games earlier in the season, um, watching the Kings try to pass to each other was a circus. Um, mm-hmm. But 
in this, and they've obviously been getting a lot better, they've been a lot cleaner, but in this game, for whatever reason, I feel like no one could figure figure out what the other was doing. Like, there was a point that Microturds and some other player, I can't recall at this time, were both going for the puck to try to clear it, to try to, you know, handle it, and they both kind of gestured with their sticks, being like, I got it, and then figured that the other one was going to get it, and both pulled away and, like, started turning, and the puck was just sitting there. Nothing, and then, like, a shark was coming up to get it. I was like, you guys, <laughs> the game is still yeah. going on. No one has gotten it. Please look, turn around, look back at each other. Like, things need to happen right now. I don't know if it was the same. There were two moments, and probably this one was uh, the second one, which was during the power play, where they were having zone entry problems in the first place, and then they were still in their zone. Like, the puck had been cleared. They were trying to bring it back. Mike Richards, again, had the puck for a second and then just left it. I went to go, literally went across, you know, to the wing and had a conversation with somebody. I don't remember who he had something to say to. I was like, maybe he's going for a change. And I just sort of missed the rhythm of the shift for a minute. But no, he stayed on the ice and he talked to somebody. <laughs> and dude, I know you're, you know, you're used to being a center and you're like the playmaker, one of the playmakers on the team. And I love watching that. But you can't just stop and have a conversation with a buddy in the middle of a power play. That's just not really how it works. That's not how you score. <laughs> There was a lot of times where we turned to each other and we were just like, what's happening? What What is going on? Like, during uh, a Sharks power play, Willie Mitchell tries to clear it, but he shoots it in the lightest manner possible. Like, even I probably could have stopped that from leaving the zone. And <laughs> that led directly to a Sharks goal. So I was just like, what? Oh, yeah. What is going on? Um, that was super frustrating because it was so... Because you could see just how directly it led to that goal. And I felt like even... Even everybody in our section, once he did sort of hit that shot and didn't get enough power on it, we were all like, oh, no, Uh, we could feel it coming. Um, And then it happened and it was terrible. It was terrible. But, but, you know, they also weren't like the only people um, actually. I mean, and again, the San Jose game was actually stronger than the Phoenix game, which weirdly by the end of it, the Kings had outshot the Coyotes, but they still, for whatever reason, for most of that game, couldn't really generate any quality offense. And the the score was 0-0 through the first period, and then through most of the second period, making it a little more like a typical Kings-Coyotes uh, game. But then they let in a goal late in the second period, which is unfortunate, but whatever happens. The thing that I was like, really, dudes, but at the same time was still like LA Kings typical, was Justin Williams takes a penalty directly after and I was like okay it's about to be 2-0 and then it was because they scored a power play goal you can't take penalties like that if your PK is super hit and miss <laughs> lately that's just not gonna work come on Justin Williams what's up I mean the writing was at the on the wall from the beginning of that game when uh in the first period there were 10 total penalties so it was just kind of like well this is the game that it's gonna be I guess so once uh, he took that penalty, I was like, okay, this is this is the end. Yeah, although interestingly, even though we've just called out like Justin Williams and Mike Richards, they have both, uh, or right now they're both tied for second in points leaders on the Kings. Like Mike Richards had like a super shaky game against the San Jose Sharks for like the first two periods. And then somehow it, in the third and overtime, picked up two assists. So 
I guess it doesn't matter in the end. They still won, and he still picked up some points. I don't know. He's got 10 points now, uh, two goals and eight assists. Justin Williams is tied with Jeff Carter for five goals and has five assists, so he has 10 points. Um, Kopitar is still the points leader on the team with 13 points. He has two goals and 11 assists, and his overtime goal power play goal was beautiful so Kopitar actually doing doing really well I was I was extremely excited to see that goal both because of the fact that they won and just because it was such a great goal from Kopitar just the kind of thing you expect to see from him he doesn't do a lot of like fake outs just sort of hard shot in the net beautiful and it was especially satisfying after watching it was a very it was a lot of neat passing during the power play you know sometimes especially during overtime you just kind of want to throw pucks at the net, shoot, try to get traffic, but like that wasn't necessarily working throughout the entire game. So they ver- they were right. very patient. They took their time. Mm-hmm. Um, Kopitar and Richards and Dowdy just like passed around and, you know, Dowdy would take a shot, rebound, they would, you know, settle it again. And then Dowdy stick handled it a little bit, tossed it to Kopitar, and he scored a beautiful goal. Just like shot right in the back, like no- nothing. Um, it was great. Yeah, it was, it was extremely uh, clean and well executed. And I think... I forget exactly which game it was. I probably should have looked it up between when we were like going over this the other day and now, but I didn't. Um, I forget which game it was that they had the four on three uh, power play in overtime, and then they ended up going to a shootout anyway. Um, and afterwards, you know, some of the comments were like, "Look, when you have a power play in overtime, the game should be over." Uh, and they, but so I'm glad to see that they cleaned that up and they cycled the puck really well. They kept it in the zone, and you know, like Diane said, it it paid off eventually in a way that felt both that was great to watch and felt completely earned. So great, great win. I mean, I would love to have them dominate games, but when you, you know, keep the sharks from winning in Staples center still, oh, I'm that, okay with it. That record is so juicy. <laughs> 11, <laughs> 11, zero and one against the sharks, uh, at the Staples center. Um, which then led to a pretty hilarious Logan Couture quote, by the way. Which he then had to clarify. Logan Couture said something along the lines um, of, we could have been playing in Florida and we still would have lost. And it was, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty harsh because a lot of people. Shots fired. Shots (laughs) fired by Logan Couture. For sure. Because people were like, whoa, are you also, um, you know, dissing the Florida Panthers for being garbage? Which, I mean, (laughs) fair, but like. Way to bring another team in this. Like, when you, you really only need to put down the Kings right now because that's who you're playing. But uh, he clarified today that he just meant that it didn't really matter what arena it was. So he, you know, chose one that's on the opposite side of the country. So it didn't really matter which arena it was that they, they were in. It could have been, um, what is it, the BB Center? What is that center? It doesn't matter. It, they, he, they could have been in the Florida Panthers arena and they still would have lost. So it wasn't the arena because I guess someone had brought up the, the stats record. Backpedal, backpedal by Logan Couture. He meant <laughs> what he said. I feel like if you had just met at, uh, any arena, you would have said that. You were literally thinking of the worst team that you guys have played against. And you thought of Florida. Just a minute, dude. Just a minute. We all know they're garbage. Logan Couture definitely knows that he needs to backpedal or is like an expert at backpedaling considering he tweeted out a porn link once. So (laughs) sharing that with friends. Oh, no, I forgot about that. Uh, He's such a disaster in the best way, though. Um, John Rosen tweeted that the Kings and the Jets have taken 63 minor penalties, which is the most in the league. And in the 
for the last the six straight games, um, LA has given their opponents at least four power plays. And that is unacceptable. Completely. Um, especially when, like before, when the their penal- penalty kill was pretty dominant. I mean, I guess, but still, like, why test it? But now that it's kind of a little bit shaky, not as strong as it was, you know, a couple of games ago, um, that is putting them um, at a disadvantage quite a lot uh, during each game. At first, I was like, maybe the PK has just become absolute trash out of nowhere. But I guess coupled with the fact that they are just taking an insane amount of penalties, even the best PK probably can't sustain that kind of work. So if they could just stop taking dumb penalties, maybe the PK would be all right. Because sometimes sometimes it is, you know, awesome, whatnot, and then some of those are just unnecessary. And even in the San Jose game, for instance, all of the penalties that they took, or maybe all except one or one or two, were like stick penalties. So it's like, just be a little bit smarter and then you won't have to worry about that so much. Just clean it up. In addition for them being stick penalties, besides Kyle Clifford's uh, fighting major and then one other, all of them were offensive zone penalties, which Daryl Sutter had um, berated them for not like two, like a game prior, you know, like two days prior, and then three of them in the Sharks game. So Kings need to kind of keep it together a little. I am interested to see how they and Toffoli sort of change the dynamic a little bit, whether there is some more balanced scoring. There has been a little more scoring from the depth players than I expected so far this season. Clearly not as much as I want to because the the Kings have still had more games than I would like where they only score one goal. But um, it'll be interesting to see if they add a little more balance to the scoring. And uh, Toffoli, I don't think, is known for taking a lot of penalty minutes. I'm not sure about Lyndon Bay. I don't think he is either. I think it's Andy Andrioff of the sort of top prospects who takes a lot of penalty minutes. So hopefully maybe those guys will help help them stay out of the box a little bit. Side note on the scoring, though. I want Trevor Lewis, American hero Trevor, Trevor Lewis, to score a goal so badly because he's been playing pretty well like he's gotten breakaways he's stolen the puck he's played goaltender like he's been great for the kings but he just hasn't gotten any points and it's so frustrating because he's been uh i saw someone tweet i forget who it was but someone was like oh trevor lewis is all heart right now and i was like that's kind of true i would like to see that as well he had a, a couple of great looks uh at the game that we went to against san jose and it was just like a shame that they didn't go in because he worked so hard for them. Uh, I feel like it has to happen soon. I don't know what his like shooting, like what his numbers are, how often he's shooting or whatever, but it feels like he's trying. Um, so I'd like to see him get get a break as well. Uh, speaking of people who are shooting, uh, we talked about Robin Regeer. Is his time to score for the Kings? Is it on its way? I feel like, yes, I feel like a little bit of buzz for Robin Regeer that maybe his time is coming. He will score and it won't be an own goal. It will be against the opponent. He's like, Jeff Carter's gone. I got to pick up the slack. Because <laughs> obviously when, when, our, when our top uh, goal scorer is gone, I obviously have to be the one to pick it up. So I'm going to score a goal. It's going to be great. Robin Regeer has just been, you know, waiting in Jeff Carter's shadow. <laughs> and now is the time. Uh, and I looked at his numbers because I was like... You know, but we talked about it at the game. Is he shooting more or whatever? And and it seems like not. He doesn't take a lot of shots still. But so far, like in the Sharks game, he had one actual shot on goal, two missed shots. He was a plus three. Um, in the Coyotes game, he had one shot on goal. In the Oilers game, he had four shots on goal. Every and and he only took four shots. Every shot that Robert Regeer took that night went on net. Um, 
And it's kind of like that, not a crazy amount, but what I noticed in comparing his season totals last season, he had 27 shots on goal, and that was the entire season and all the games he played. He played 41 games for, again, like the Sabres, and then he was traded to the Kings, as we all know. And this season so far, he has had 20 shots on goal, and we're only 14 games into the season for the Kings. So he is shooting more overall, and I think it will eventually payoff for Robin Regeer. Not that I'm like desperate for Robin Regeer uh, action, really. I still find him mostly annoying, but he seems to be trying a little harder or he could just be trying harder when we're in the building. (laughs) It it seems like, I don't know. After reading all the articles about him, um, about Calgary fans telling the Sabres to take care of him um, because they had something special, um, I now want Robin. I'm, I'm like, I'm not a Robin Regeer fan. Like, let's not go too far, but... <laughs> let's not get crazy. Yeah, let's not. That's a little out of hand. Um, but I really do want him to score a goal. And if not, this Saturday against the Preds, wait until the 7th when the Sabres come into town because they are garbage, still. Um, two games they've won. Two. Poor Ryan Miller is all, all I really have to say about that. That's true. And, uh, yeah, maybe he can score it on his own or on his old team. I think uh, I think that's when it should happen. I I am confident that it's coming soon. It would be pretty great if it was against the Sabres. So come on, Robert Regeer, pull it together for us. Make it happen. Um, oh, but speaking of the Sabres, and you said, you know, poor Ryan Miller. I would also like to say poor Matt Molson, who used to be in the King system and who is now a Buffalo Sabre taken away from the New York Islanders. Free because... Matt Molson. Free Matt Molson to any other team. Yeah. He goes from playing with, Tav- uh, with John Tavares to... Uh, to death, I guess, is basically what's happening. <laughs> to death. The slow decay of his, <laughs> of his... Well, I mean, he scored twice in his first game, which, I mean, good for him. But, yeah, it's not, it's not looking good. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What if... And now I'm just thinking about this in the context of how um, everything is now working against Tanner Pearson. The Kings still need a left wing, and somehow they trade for Matt Molson. Bring him back. And Tanner Pearson is still in the NHL. What a cruel world would that be <laughs> for Tanner Pearson? Never. He's he just looking from afar, never being able to go up. That'd be sad. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, I think the chances of Matt Wilson coming back to the Kings would be pretty slim, but it would also be amazing considering he is, in fact, a UFA this summer. I don't think it'll actually happen at the trade deadline. If such a thing were to ever happen in any universe, it would be during the summer. But what if, people, what if... 2014 is the summer of Matt Molson's return. I'm just saying. Think about it. Consider it. Could be pretty good. We'll see. I don't know. I've read some things where it said that he doesn't necessarily fit in with the King system in terms of um, forwards being defensive. Um, he doesn't really play hard in the corners too much. Um, doesn't really worry about his defensive end that much. And the Kings do like when people do that. But uh, I don't know. Maybe he's changed. Maybe it'll be different. Maybe uh, we're just spitballing. <laughs> so, who yeah, cares? thinking about the Kings defense, I was just, you know, thinking about uh, our poor injured friend Jeff Carter, who was also not really known for being a defensive player. But, um, I mean, throughout his career, I guess it's sort of come around a little bit. But I think, especially in these last uh, couple, last half season, and then the last two half seasons for him, let's be, that's what it is. The last two half <laughs> seasons for him um, has been pretty good. They've really stepped up his game. I mean, he he doesn't hit a lot, but he does, you know, takes pretty big hits sometimes. And Yeah, I already waxed poetic about his defensive skills last week, so... We don't need That's a really true. we don't need a repeat of that. I got more I have more words. Like don't let's don't worry about it. I, I definitely have more to say, but 
we'll just I'll re- I'll try to rein it in. Right, right. There's more in the arsenal, but we'll save that for another time. I understand. <laughs> I will talk then about Kobitar. Let's go back to him for a second because a thing that came up after the San Jose game was whether or not Kobitar has been shooting more. Um, Jules from the Crown, Robert from Jules from the Crown posted this piece analyzing it because after that game, LA Kings insider John Rosen asked him about that, whether or not he could hear fans, you know, screaming for him to shoot it. And Kopitar said, quote, yeah, I've been hearing that a lot, so it's nothing new. First of all, maybe it seems a little bit easier from up top to see what it is. Just a touch. Once I'm on the ice, I'm making the play that I think at that particular moment is the best play for us. If it's a pass, it's a pass. If it's a shot, it's a shot. I can hear it a little bit, yeah, with 18,000 screaming to shoot it, but it comes down to my brain and my hands, my stick, and where the puck's going to go. I'm glad that he's listening because I am among those people who are shouting for him to shoot all the time. I did it several times in that San Jose game. And so again, Jules from the Crown uh, posted this piece sort of analyzing whether or not Kopitar is shooting more. And so far, this season, he is. It hasn't clearly been paying off very much. He's only got the two goals, and they're both power play goals. But he's shooting eight, a little rate, almost nine shots per 60 minutes. And that is his highest. Like, if he stays on that pace, that is his highest um, throughout his entire NHL career. Last season, which people won't be surprised to hear because it did feel like he was not shooting as often as he should be, was um, his second lowest. Uh, he was shooting six, seven shots per per 60 minutes. So I would like him to keep it up. And actually, when it was first announced that there was a player on IR, I was like, please don't let it be Kopitar because his progress is so good right now. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't want to lose the momentum of him uh, finally scoring goals and kind of uh, for an injury. So I'm not going to say that I'm glad it's Jeff Carter, but it also kind of makes sense, like looking back, I guess in the fact that he hasn't scored in a, in a couple of games. Yeah, yeah. Once it was announced, I was like, well, I guess I can see that. And then again, I was I felt really bad because I had joked about him, you know, being deceased, <laughs> being a corpse. Once um, again, it is all your fault. How dare you? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Jeff Carter. I'll send you flowers. And um, I wish that your dainty feet get better really soon. If there's anyone who doesn't have dainty feet, it's someone that's 6'4". For the record. <laughs> No, he, he had very, very uh, cute, delicate feet, Jeff Carter. I, I've decided that his memoir is going to be called Soft Hands, Delicate Feet, The Jeff Carter Jesus Story. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. So everybody be ready for that because I'm dedicated to it. Um, oh, we sound, dedicated we, to it, we sound crazy. I feel really proud of us and what we've achieved in life at this moment. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I forgot what I was saying before that. Probably I was talking about Kopitar and then Jeff Carter and his his feet. We're glad that it's not Kopitar that's injured because right. his momentum is on par with, I don't know, 82 goals in 82 games. Sure, why not? Come on. Like, they've played... Okay, he's a little behind now in the points uh, Kopitar is because he only has 13 and they've played 14 games, so he has to catch up a little bit. We need a multi-point game against the Preds for Kopitar. Maybe he'll maybe he'll do Jeff Carter a solid and score that hat trick. That's what I would like to see. Substitute service for hat tricks there. <laughs> yeah. I'll just pass it yeah. along. Yeah, and then it will kick off my dream for this season, which is to see, like, when Jeff Carter comes back, to see him and Kopitar, um, you know, battle it out for who can score the most. I think that would be excellent. So that's what can kickstart it. They should just, like, in on the team, just have an unofficial goal competition because we would all benefit from that um and that they'd be like battling each other to score the most goals 
I'd like that. Big hit and down. I'm not sure he's okay. Uh, there's no question that this one's a penalty. A large five-minute major penalty power play for the Kings. So moving on to the five-minute majors, uh, we're going to focus basically on the physical action around the league because it's been pretty crazy so far. I'm going to start with some some stats that I read that were really interesting to me. Uh, fighting in the league down 20.5% from last season. Apparently, people just don't fight as much right now, even though I think it was something the number was 65% of games do not have a fight right now. And, you know, years ago, it used to be that half of the NHL players had uh, fighting majors, and that was just how it went. Not the case anymore. People are still getting suspended a lot because, let me read you these numbers. Uh, first of all, the fighting thing was from USA Today. This next thing about suspensions from Bleacher Report, they said that there were a total of 16 suspensions in 48 games last season. There have already been nine so far this season, including John Scott's seven games um, for his hit on Louis Erickson. So even though dudes are not necessarily dropping the gloves as much, they are still running into guys and getting punished for things. But you might not be able to tell that from today because there was plenty of fighting action. Caps versus Flyers. So the Capitals go to Philadelphia and they play the Flyers. It turns into a hot mess. Alexander Ovechkin is out, and so some people thought maybe that would help Philly get a little bit of an edge. Maybe not, because they're still Philly and they suck right now. But it doesn't work in their favor at all, as or like, because the Caps score seven goals against them. Seven of them. At one point, I think after the 6-0 mark, people uh, in Philly's arena started chanting, Fire Holmgren, which was super exciting, because I know we, we both know Ron Hextall is just waiting in the wings for his turn, and I feel like it's coming up pretty, pretty soon. I just imagine him like waiting in the wings and like, like, like in, like in the theater, just like a dagger behind his back, just like ready for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that is what's happening. So that set that scene, and then you know things still aren't going their way, even though they switch out goalies. Ray Emery is on the ice. They get down 7-0 in the third period, and then a line brawl breaks out. Just, you know, madness everywhere. You know how it happens. You guys all know about the Toronto Buffalo Sabres brawl that happened, much like that. Except for in this one, Ray Emery skates down the ice and goes straight for Braden Holtby and starts beating him up real bad. And at first it kind of seemed like, oh, maybe Braden Holtby just can't fight or whatever. Sure, it's kind of unfortunate and embarrassing. And then Philly loses 7-0 anyway, so it's not like that fight really did anything for anybody. But then Ray Emery gives this quote afterwards. He says, he didn't want to fight, and I said basically, protect yourself. He didn't have much of a choice. Um, indicating that he straight up went over there and pretty much assaulted Brayton Holby. I don't, I'm, like, we all know Ray Emery can fight and whatnot, and, you know, he likes to fight when he feels like the game's called for it or whatever. But in this situation, that's, Seemed pretty messed up to me, like just to go over to a dude and be like, I don't care what you want to do. I'm going to kick your ass anyway. Despite that, I don't think there's nothing in the rules that allows the league to necessarily uh, penalize him. I mean, it's a fight. You know, the refs didn't even break it up right away. They let it happen for a little while. So I find that really interesting that the, the NHL is not prepared for that kind of situation. I mean, the fighting rule is long and complicated because they tailor it to different specific incidences and maybe they'll do that with this too but it's just weird to me how like you know they're 
really big on head hits and whatnot, but for the situation, there might not be anything that they can do without sort of bending over backwards to find something to do. Well, I feel like in general, I mean, I, obviously all of the, all of these guys are throwing each other into the boards and fighting all the time, but they always talk about the respect that they have for the other player, you know, or the respect that they have for the sport. And so I feel like, you know, everyone's, you hear people mic- mic'd up and you'll hear a dude being like, hey, you want to go? You want to go? If they say no, mm-hmm. usually nothing happens and they'll fight someone else. Yeah. Like, I remember in the Phoenix game, Chipchura was definitely going around, you know, knocking on people's oh, sticks, being hard. like, hey, let's let's fight, and eventually found someone to fight. But, you know, it took him a little while. So I feel like there doesn't need to be a rule because there is an unofficial, you know, respect each other rule. Um, and, like, everyone knows, like, oh, if, if I need to step up and fight, I'll fight. But if I'm not going to because you're just, like, picking on someone, you know, then... Uh, usually the other person will just move on to someone else. Um, but this was not the case. Rammer was like, I'm going to fight you whether you like it or not. Yeah, yeah. And then straight up admitted it. So That's nuts. I don't know. It's it's super unfortunate and super bizarre. I was like, I can't believe that he did that. And then I can't believe that he actually just straight up said that that was what he did. So I guess it'll be interesting to see how the NHL responds and player safety responds, if they can in any way. I hope so. I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like you should be able to just do that and get away with it. I mean, I guess it's because he's a goalie. Like, anyone else, he can fight. Like, any other player, they can fight whoever they want. They've got plenty of people on the roster to fight, but it's always a goalie fight. It's never, like, a goalie fighting a defenseman or something like that. So I guess he's like, hey, I want to fight. This is a line for all Holby. It's going to be you. Like, that's all you got. And it's like, I don't even, I'm not even against fighting. I'm not one of those people that's against fighting. Um, but yeah, that seems crazy. Yeah, I was, I was pretty shocked. I was pretty shocked. Um, some former Kings related news, just to move on from that, uh, but also related to injury. Rob Scuderi, Pittsburgh Penguins, is now out for several weeks. Uh, he was hit by Derek Clarkson in the game against the Maple Leafs. And at the time, people thought it was maybe a minor injury. Maybe he suffered a Charlie horse, or maybe he just sort of landed wrong on his leg a little bit. But it turns out that he, um, had to have ankle surgery. So he's out having that heel. He had had like a great record, like great attendance record, let's say. Um, attendance. It was something like 270 games or two, a little over that, but snaps now because he's got to recover. I love that it, you called it an attendance record. Like this is elementary school yeah. and you get a gold star if you've only missed like <laughs> yeah. two classes or That's something. That's what I just felt like saying. Um, but Pittsburgh, <laughs> yeah. you were supposed to take care of him. I know, right? What are you doing? Brutal. After you just sign a deal, you're on the team again, and then this happens. Um, but hopefully, uh, it heals up nicely. He d- it doesn't, and when he comes back, it doesn't. Uh, he doesn't have any returning or recurring issues. Um, get well, Rob Scuderi. The Kings miss you. Um, all right, so that is pretty much all that we have for this week's episode. Um, Diane, do you have anything that you want to say before we go? Um, I do actually, uh, what was it like a week ago or something? John Tavares pulled out a tooth on the bench and in a continuing trend that continues to be disgusting, um, Pascal Dupuis pulls out two teeth. He one-ups him, pulls out two teeth while sitting on the Penguins bench. And the best part about that is that he was mic'd up at the time for, I'm sure, whatever behind the scenes, uh, Penn's TV thing that they have. And you can just hear Sidney Crosby's audible groan 
as he watches him yank his teeth out of his face. That is awful. I, I watched I watched the video, but I think I was um, at work at the time, so I watched it on silent, and it looked terrible, but now I feel like I have to go back and watch it again just to hear Sidney Crosby be totally disgusted by it, because I think that's a fair reaction. It's just so gross. Like, ugh. For whatever reason, just, like, pulling teeth out seems disgusting. Like, more so than any other sort of injury that you see on the ice. Um, just watching them nonchalant. Like, obviously, I guess he said later that it only hurt a little and that they were fake teeth anyway. It was a bridge, whatever. And that uh, Sydney was uh, was groaning because he could see, like, the metal rods poking out of his face uh, to hold the teeth in. Oh. Which, is st- which is still gross. And, like, what? <laughs> that sounds awful. And then Tavares tweeted a, another picture of his gross gums. And then Gagne, Sam Gagne, when he broke his jaw, tweeted that picture. Everyone needs to stop doing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess for them, they're just used to it because, like, losing teeth is such a common occurrence uh, in the sport. But it is disturbing to see every time it happens to somebody. Like, oh, I'm sorry about your mouth situation. That's unfortunate. I always have to kind, I always have to kind of psych myself out. Because I, I don't know how gross it's going to be. Like, when everyone was like, oh, like, brace yourself for Sam Gagne's jaw. I was like, oh, no. Like, what is... What's happening? And for the record, so, like, I do work in law, and so I've seen some really pretty gross photos in terms of, you know, the cases that I've, I've seen. So, um, yeah, but th- for whatever reason, the teeth, jaw, gums thing freaks me out a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, all of the media people in the arenas, could you, for Diane's sake, please stop filming dudes pulling out their teeth because that's weird (laughs) and gross. Anyway, again, that's all we have Uh, until next week. uh, Follow us if you do not already. We are at ThanksBud on Twitter, or you can follow us individually. I am at Chanel Berlin. And I am at AKA Diane Fan. And we would love to be friends. Um, Take care of yourself. Let's all hold our breath and see where Keaton Ellerby ends up, and um, also keep Jeff Carter in your hearts. Take care, everybody. Bye. (laughs) I just immediately started (laughs) laughing when you talked about keeping Jeff Carter in your hearts. And I was like, I do.